You're listening to Couch Kicker, sponsored by Action Challenge, the podcast that wants you to push yourself further. I'm your host, Jan, and this is episode two. Welcome to episode two of Couch Kicker. This is a fantastic episode that really gets to the heart of what I want to do with this podcast, which is speak to people who've left the comfort zone, who've gone out there and have done more. As you'll hear, that doesn't always mean pushing yourself physically. One of the biggest barriers to trying new things, to you know, like breaking your own habits, is your mindset. I know this because I am a lazy, lazy man who can quite easily waste an entire week's worth of evenings watching films that I've already seen hundreds of times, although in fairness, Aliens is a stone-cold classic. But the habits that you form can be so hard to break. The rituals that you create in your daily life can just become fences to the point where going beyond them can feel like daunting or scary. So that process of leaving your comfort zone doesn't have to be something physical in terms of you know athletic challenges Uh, it can just be a change of habit a change of routine a new hobby it doesn't have to be a giant leap it can be a baby step a small change a tiny sort of shifting of the boundaries and if you do that little by little you can usually find that you've come a long way so we've got a great guest coming up but before we get to that some business. This podcast is sponsored by Action Challenge. Action who, you might say? Action Challenge. If you are looking to push yourself further, take on a challenge, and perhaps even raise some money for charity along the way, then Action Challenge will have something for you. They run treks, runs, cycles here in the UK and around the world. Their award-winning UK Ultra Challenge series invites you to walk, jog or run 25, 50 or 100 kilometers across some of the UK's most iconic routes, you know, from the Jurassic Coast to the Lake District. Summer 2021 is set to be their biggest yet, with 15 great challenges to choose from. The great thing about these challenges is they're open to people of all abilities. So you could sign up to trek a 25 kilometer section, or you could be completely insane and run the full 100 kilometer distance over the weekend and everything in between. Throughout the route, there's the full support that you need with snacks, drinks, and hot meals all included, plus full medical support, masseuses, and bag transport. These events, they take place outdoors. So unlike other runs and mass events, The Ultra Challenge series allows for social distancing and safe spacing. So it's a great way to push yourself further with all of those boring logistics taken care of. Head on over to ultrachallenge.com to find out more and take advantage of the early bird discount on all 2021 places. That's ultrachallenge.com. Today's guest is a joy, literally and figuratively. She's a retired teacher who, at the age of 60, set herself a challenge of doing 60 new things in that year. This took her on this unlikely journey into the world of slam poetry and eventually the world of competitive 
battle rap. Going up against some of the best battle rappers, not just in the UK, but from around the world. This was a great chat. I know you'll enjoy it. So here is the rapping granny, Joy France. So, Joy France, welcome to the Couch Kicker podcast. Uh, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. But where I come from, it would be called Settee Kicker. Settee Kicker, yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm appealing for that uh, US audience, so <laughs> got to keep it universal. So, so what do I call you then? Is it J-Dog, MC France, J-Frizzle? Um, there's been some funny uh, versions of um, what I should be called. But I decided, because I will be talking about getting into battle rap, I... Battled, first battle I did, I battled with Just Joy. And then I found out there was a battle called Just Jay. So I thought, let's forget it, I'll just battle under my own name. So yeah, it's, France, it's that's it. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, puffin bars or penguin bars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so do you want to explain a little bit more uh, to the listeners like about who you are um, and what your story is? Yeah, because I suppose I have to start by saying who I am now. In terms of, I'm in my mid fifties, I'm in my mid sixties, um, short, fat, grey-haired woman, um, just yeah, ordinary person, and yes, I went from being really, really quiet and shy as a child, and a really quiet adult, to in my mid fifties, finding my voice, and yeah, having all sorts of amazing adventures, and I know we'll talk a bit about the battle rap one because uh, it is quite unique, but there's lots of others as well. The battle rap is how uh, we got talking. Um, yeah, I think your you, you kind of uh, subject that you sent to me was like from retirement to battle rap. So we got there. So do you want to explain uh, just a bit more about what battle rap is for the yeah, listeners? Because there'll be people who do know what it is. They'll be scratching their head, and it's not computing that somebody like me would battle rap and others haven't heard of it at all. So most people think of the M&M in the film Eight Mile years ago, that doing, you know, the, going uh, in the form of rap, a battle, you know. That, that, that's the extent of my knowledge. And it's a bit like that. But in actual fact, the stuff that I do is, um, yeah, it's just as brutal. But it can be very different as well. There could be, be comedy in it. Um, but essentially, you're up against your opponent and you're trying to destroy them and pick yourself up and you've got a paying crowd and it's, it is it is adrenaline to the max. It really is. You, you, you know, if you choke, if you lose your, your words and everything, you stumble, you just, you know, just made a fool. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, uh, I, I saw that there's a documentary uh, link that you sent me and it's up on YouTube and there's a, a clip where you're battling a guy and I was shocked you know like he doesn't hold back at all uh you don't hold back at all um but it, it just does not look like the kind of environment where you'd expect a, a sort of retired teacher uh to, to be in there not only like in there but holding your own yeah because i do this for real i'm not playing about with it i do the form that isn't on beat and and a lot of the th- lot of it is pre-planned in research about your opponent and everything um the story of how i got into it is interesting because I didn't realise when I went in that it's an amazing scene. It's not that the battles are, oh my God, they're atrocious, you know. There's all sorts of um, aggression and things said and, you know, there's very few, very few things that you, you, you can't do, you know, you can't hit your opponent or whatever, but, you know, <laughs> pretty much everything else goes. But the people in the scene are so diverse and 
I've never come across a community before where everybody is, virtually everybody is there for each other. They talk about their mental health. If somebody is having a bad time, they're there. They're not just talking about it. They, you know, um, if they know somebody's on their own, they'll say, well, you know, come to ours, we'll go get something to eat. You can have a shower and then we'll go together. Or It's, it's a tremendous beauty who have just accepted me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, I mean yeah, it's not, you're not, not the typical battle rapper. Yeah, at the beginning, they'd often swear and they'd say, oh, sorry, Joy. And then, so, like, no, I'm just one of them now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So but pre-battle rap, um, you, you mentioned you retired. Uh, what did you do? before you retired? Well, all my life I've been a teacher, but not a teacher as you think about it. Basically, I was, as I said at the beginning, extremely quiet and shy as a, as a child. Um, I would have been diagnosed with social anxiety or something nowadays. And basically, I wanted to help people, but I wanted to be as quiet as I could and as visible as I could. So I trained to be a special needs primary teacher. I could do that. That was, I could make a difference and, and work with families and individuals. And um, so I took, that's where I started. And I ended up traveling, I taught abroad uh, for a few years in a special school. And then eventually, as I was getting older, I started to work with teenagers who were excluded from school. And um, I ran a pupil referral unit for a few years in a, in a city and worked with kids who had health problems, mental health problems, physical health problems that stopped them going to school. And all that time, uh, I could see the power of creativity and I used to buy people in because I had no creativity whatsoever, I believe, nothing. You know, I tried knitting, I tried art, I music, I just couldn't find, I couldn't do anything. So yeah, I was a teacher and then in my mid fifties, I. I suppose I should say how I, I say I found my voice. Um, it didn't just happen overnight. I decided in my mid-50s that life was getting a bit boring. It was predictable. So I just thought, if I mix things up, life will be a bit different. And yeah. so I decided to follow any coincidences and not in a weird way or a spooky way or whatever, just as a, a means of shaking things up. And I had a weirdest year, a fantastic year. You know, I ended up going with um, 50 people through the streets of Manchester with a Chinese artist. We all were taking cabbages for a walk, our cabbages <laughs> walked on leads, you know, like dog leads. And seriously, I had the weirdest, weirdest year. <laughs> it was so much fun. And then towards the end of the year, I ended up following a coincidence that led me to a poetry writing workshop, an hours workshop. And yeah, I, from there, I just suddenly wow. discovered poetry, stand-up poetry, slam poetry, and things like yeah. that. So the last 10 years have been um, yeah, <laughs> a complete <laughs> contrast. Have you heard of a book called The Dice Man? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it said just, just making things, doing things differently. But I had no idea it would, would end up here. Um, my mum's 95. And she's always saying, no, what happened to my quiet daughter? Where is she? Because I'm just doing all sorts of strange things. And um... it's, it's unusual to, to, to kind of hit your, your sort of 50s or, or your 60s and be that open to new experiences. I read a thing like a few years back and it's kind of covered how your brain's sort of wired. And when you're younger, you, know, you get dopamine hits. You get kind of like rewarded by your brain for trying new things and when you get older that sort of flips on its head you know like your brain rewards you for routine and familiarity and repetition so obviously you must be wired 
differently. I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. I was younger. I didn't want any excitement or anything that rocked the boat. Um, don't get me wrong. It wasn't just an overnight thing. It wasn't like control alt delete hit suddenly here's a new joy. It was yeah. small things, slow things. Um, you know, the first time I did poems, some of my poetry, I was terrified and I shook and I thought, I'm never doing that again. But I ended up going back and try something else and try something else and uh, just eventually, yeah, I got to the point where I was. Um, one big turning point was um, I won um, a slam, poetry slam. It's poetry and you perform your stuff and you get points but this was called uh, superheroes of slam and they had heats all over the north of england and i won the warrington heat and went to the final and it's all these young sort of you know anyway i basically won it and i was the first woman to ever win it and the first older person to ever win it and it just really made me think hang on there's something you know this is really something and yeah it was not long after i took early retirement and just was going to just Give myself a year to just see where all this would go and my god people warned me i was going to be depressed and i was going to be you know, miss the routine of school and you know and I, not for a second it was uh, yeah it's been a, a whirlwind of just exciting things so that poetry slam poetry that was almost like your, your, your gateway drug yes. into battle rapping is that something you showed any interest prior to taking it up well the poetry yeah, did you write when you were younger, or was this just well, straight out the gate? Well, start? One poem when I was ten or whatever about the Aberdeen disaster. One about a fish, or a dog called Tommy Todd, and that was it. Wow! <laughs> so you kind of almost had to unlock this creative uh, part of your brain to to kind of get in there. Not only do that, but do it in a way where you win these competitions. The thing is, after having a lifetime of just thinking. What do people think about me? Who's criticising me? What are people going to say? I shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, it, it built up all those years. When you start doing things you want to do and you don't think you're going to be able to do, and then you do them, it, it's more than a dopamine hit. It's just it's like these big doors being opened and thinking, oh, there's other things. There isn't just this. I could do that. I could do that. You know, I, took, I put a one-woman show and took it up to Edinburgh that first year that I... Um, uh, when I took retirement and uh, and just, yeah and it's 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 more uh, an attitude thing because if people don't like me or don't like what I do that's you know don't mind it's all right you know do, do you think you've kind of reached an age where you're like almost beyond caring I think when you're younger you almost have that eye over your shoulder looking at what other people's it's opinions not are saying I don't give a damn because I you know never set out to deliberately harm or anything and in the battle rap world I carefully pick my opponents and actually we become really close afterwards because you've got that bond and I really wouldn't do anything to seriously harm them you know it's it's, it's not you, you can you can get close to the, to the bone and you know some have come up to me afterwards and said whoa that really you know that really came home what you said there and you know um but you, yeah you become the best of friends or you you get a lot of respect for the for the person for what they've put in and the time and the effort and and it's I think they find it refreshing battling me because I'm not you know some six foot early testosterone fueled whatever they can come at it with some funny angles that they've never had before. Do you think you step up and you almost like lower their expectations? So if you come out and perform well on the same level you almost like that's twice the effect it's twice the impact if you were six foot in barley they kind of expected it 
it's not that I've got a, a green light to get away with things. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm the best at all whatsoever. I'm improving, and you know, I you know hold my own. Is basically what I do. I'm not. You know, I'm not top tier or anywhere near it. But I really didn't want people to make allowances because of my age or my sex or whatever. I'm currently. I found out the only active woman battler in the UK. No way. <laughs> Most of them don't stay long. <laughs> You're not just breaking uh, age barriers, you're breaking glass ceilings and all sorts of that. I'm the, I'm the only one in the world who, of my age, woman, uh, you know, sort of looked like me or whatever. There is no, I've not found anybody in the world remotely near. <laughs> so, wow. But the whole point of it wasn't me waking up and saying, you know what, I'm going to become a battle rapper. It was a whole series of events. And the purpose of doing it was, one, to see whether I could do it, but also to change people's opinions because people make assumptions about people who are older or women or whatever. So I wanted to just go in and just make them think, actually, she wasn't bad. But of course, you know, I had my own prejudices. I thought it was, I thought I was battling the whole scene was everything I hated and it was racist and sexist and homophobic. And, you know, so I, it was a, it was, I, I myself on the back and say, I don't know how the heck I did it. And actually, to add to it, I actually had a documentary crew following me as well, so I had the pressure of it, you know, if it went wrong, it was going to go seriously viral right across the world. It was going to be a car crash. That, But, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah. I did it. I did one battle that wasn't on a league against a friend uh, in somewhere I knew. So this was your first rap battle, wasn't it? This is somebody you knew through slam poetry? Three months before I turned 60, I decided to do 60 new things. And then it was so amazing. Before I turned 61, I was doing 61 things, 62 in the 62 and so on. And I carried on. I just knew it could be something new. It could be eating a new food. It could be holding an owl. It could be anything. It could be you know, just random things, but just being open. And then when people know you're doing that, they say things to you like, you should, why don't you do this? Have you ever done that? So I get more and more adventures all the time. Maybe at the end of this, I should put a call out and just get any suggestions of things I can do. <laughs> you want to be careful doing that. You could end up like the Dice Man. Yeah, no, I don't have to say yes. I can say no. But essentially, I did a poem. Somebody wrote a blog and said, Joy France, the rapping granny, if Eminem had a grandma, it'd be her. And I was like quite offended. I thought, one, it's not rap. And, you know, rapping granny, but, you know. And... A year later, I was in, if anybody knows Affleck Palace in Manchester, and they're creative in residence. So I was in this creative room that I set up, and these lads were rapping. So I said to them, well, I said, can I do your poem? Will you tell me it's not rap? I did the poem. And one said, yeah, that's rap. And the other said, yeah, you should do rap. And then the other one laughed and said, you should do battle rap. So I put it on my list of things to do, thinking it's never going to happen. Right. So then when this, this young lad said he'd battle me, um, and he did say his reputation was going to be ruined because he was either going to be the guy who beat the granny or the one that got beaten by the granny. <laughs> and we just did a friendly, and it was, it was scary, but it was fun. I couldn't get it out of my head. I hadn't done it for real. I hadn't gone into their world to show that somebody like me can do it. I'd, so a whole set of coincidences happened, and somebody I knew through poetry who did battle rap got, managed to get me onto a proper league event and battle for real. And uh, yeah, so my first real battle was against a guy called Bunkhead, 
it's it's hilarious i was didn't know what i was doing i didn't research many battles as i got to the event all people were staring at me like what's she, what's she doing here the security guard told me that i'd come to the wrong place and the toilets around the corner and it was it was terrifying and um but i did it and then i realized it was going to be up on youtube so i would have to watch it and face it and see what people would commented and yeah i read the comments when it went up i was genuinely confused because so many of them kept saying joy's the goat joy's a goat and i'm like what, what, what? <laughs> i didn't know i wasn't part of the world but whatever and goat stands for greatest of all time which i wasn't yeah. but they were just being <laughs> you know giving me the, giving oh, me that's the, how the kids talk these days yeah oh yeah oh, I, 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 uh, but you see, if I battle talking like that and going, yo, you know, it'd it just be ridiculous. So I've tried to keep my integrity and the development on style. So I, I've had, I did that one. I battled Blunted. One was cancelled in York. Battled on a big card in Dublin against a guy called Raptor. And that made me an international <laughs> battle rapper. And I laugh every time I say that. I'm officially an international battle rapper. And then I battled on a. a Oak Flop is probably the main league that's known in this country. I battled a, a veteran called Hulk. I'll try and send you a photograph of that. If, if that might be worth putting up. It's so funny. <laughs> um, and then my last battle was this year, was in February. I battled in Dublin again on a big card. There were like 20 battlers booked, or over 20. I was the only woman, again, battling. Wow. And I battled a guy called Omar. And... Uh, if you have you watched the one about Omar, my battle at all? No, no. Okay, I'm going to tell you this story just because it's. I think it's worth telling because it it's it's another sort of couch kicker thing. <laughs> um, I went down to the to an event in London, not the battle, but to go with friends and just be part of the scene. And there was a guy there called Omar, and he was meant to be battling, and he. Um, he didn't turn up and people told me because i'd never met him before people told me that he uh, was um from the middle east he and became a canadian citizen came over to london to study at university got into battle rap and got cancer and he went back to canada and nobody heard from him and people thought he died right. but essentially he'd been a year cancer free he had some serious treatments and stuff for this this tumor and what he want, all he wanted to do was to come to this event and battle on it. So, you know, everyone was really disappointed. But then as the place was emptying, he turned up. He arrived in London, got food poisoning, and spent the whole day at the hospital. I just got there and said, look, I'm going to, I want to battle. So we all went out onto a piece of grass, a bit of a park space, and he, he battled. And I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really, really good. The whole battle was, it's that's up online. And afterwards, he approached me and said that, you know, he had one or two people who he wanted to battle. Would I consider it? Would I battle him? Wow. My answer was, remember, I've never spoken to this lad before. I said, yeah, but if you battle me, you know, it'll be full of cancer bars. <laughs> you know, it'll be, I'll be making uh, as about um, Make-A-Wish Foundation and things like that. And he said, yes, that's what I want. Forget that. I know I'm alive. So we agreed to battle at some point, And it happened in February in Dublin. And of course, he knew what I was going to do. I knew what I was going to do. The room didn't know what I was going to do. So as I started, I said, I've seen some lights. So it's grandma versus Omar. And then I you know, took the mickey out of him a bit. And I said, at the end, I said, what round with Omar? 
carcinoma. And they all go, oh, and then, you know, I'm good. And then I carried on saying things like, I'm going to do what cancer couldn't achieve. I'm going to leave your parents breathe. I'm, you're not going to be able to breathe. And I just absolutely sort of went in. And the, oh, you could feel the whole room just like, there's this bristle. <laughs> and it, you know, he, I knew he was loving every second of it. Well, that's the thing that kind of comes through in the videos of it. The, the video that I saw of you battle rapping, like the young lad, the, the is it Blunthead? He doesn't hold back, you know, he's going in hard on your age, your looks, you know, things that make most people blush, which, you know, you've got to protect yourself on that, but you don't hold back either. You, you, I think there's like one line in that video where you just, I can't repeat it. You're like <laughs> eviscerating. What's kind of good to see though is no one really holds a grudge on it. And the room, like when somebody does a line that hits, you've got like, you deliver a few lines where this room full of like young lads all in the twenties, are all going mad, like, you know, putting their arms around each other, like, just going crazy. Like, that must feel pretty good to kind of go out there and, like, go toe-to-toe and sort of walk away thinking, you know, I did I did sort of give my best there. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it's not always going to plan. There's times when you do freeze and you've got to try and recover and things like that. And some of these events are really small, some are really big. Once the lockdown happened, I, I had such a full diary I was meant to be battling in New York for a start and against uh, yeah against somebody over there and everything you know everything fell through and then went from being busier than ever having lots of exciting projects to zero and it's I did one battle online one online battle against a guy called Bacon who's in Massachusetts we just did a, a, a recorded one not a, a free a live one um because I, I don't have the appetite for doing it. It's just there are some things that Zoom is great for. But some things have to be in the moment. They have to be in the room. They have to be with people. And if it's such a shadow of itself, something else. So Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what what is the future of battle rap? Because I know like a lot of live events like comedy, theatre, are all kind of slowly beginning to come back, but any other lockdown that's that's kind of going to go yeah. back on hold and this is something that i think thrives from having the audience yeah this is so intense you're so close you know the battles are in each other's faces the crowd are round and they're all grabbing hold and everything i mean there was a one event took place in dublin a couple of weeks ago and it, so it's a small event yeah small event and they held it in a stables well, these horses are behind, so they could have it, you know, because you can't have it in clubs and things like that. But they were still going to go ahead, you know. There might have only been a dozen people there, but the battle took place, and yeah, yeah. maybe just have one on a grouse shooting weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things is people are craving things they took for granted. And mm-hmm. before, uh, just before we started this, we were just talking about um, stand up comedy, and I just got into stand up comedy and things. And yeah, there's, there's all sorts of things, comedy you can watch on, online or on TV, but being in a room where it's happening, I think people, are, when, when it does return, people will just need it more than ever, that, that real life interaction, that creativity, that, um, yeah, that, that's... Yeah, I, th- I think almost like stand-up comedy can work on Zoom. I've seen... The, there's a few nights yeah. in, in London, like there's one uh, G&B comedy, they've done a load of live nights, which kind of work because they run really well in the way it manages the audience because you do get some like audio feedback. I've not performed there, I've watched some and it works well. But I think there's something even a bit more raw about battle raps that I've seen that you almost need that physical 
proximity for that effect you know you said like you're not a six foot burly bloke but you know everyone's got their own physical presence and I think more than poetry so you kind of said you started with poetry and, and you kind of got into this poetry is the words you can kind of deliver poetry you can read it quietly you can read it loudly like battle raps about the words that you use but that's not enough you know you need the yeah. presence you need that swagger you need the delivery absolutely so i mean you kind of miss a lot if you're not there in in person just in that in that um how it energizes you you have to be really you know you must be bonkers to do it basically really have you've got to you know who in the right mind would do it but we all know that and that's why we love it and we admire each other and the, um, you know, the crowd get that as well. But I think the fact that for so many, it's for so many people, it's, um, it's been a lifeline, particularly people with mental health issues and things like that. We've got a community that is, doesn't judge, you know, and there's a lot of people there who are autistic or have had, you know, severe uh, mental health things all their lives or whatever, but it's somewhere that they can, it's real, it's absolutely real. It's not you know, like wrestling, you can pre-plan your moves and everything. This isn't. This is, you're seeing it for real. And the emotions are real. And, yeah, it's it's quite unique. But I've always, since over the last 10 years, I've been involved in quite a lot of projects that have been um, different generations mixing. Mm-hmm. And it's almost always, it's mag- there's magic there. You know, rather than the time that this is a young person's thing and this is an old person's thing and this is a middle-aged person's thing. You know, it, it's... You know, the world, if it could, if I could shake the world and just get those barriers down, I, I would do it because it would transform so many people. Do, do you think that's kind of motivated in part by your teaching background? Do you think that background of working in that environment is part of what's drawn you into this world of battle rap where it's you know, filled with these young men, it's quite aggressive, it's quite rambunctious? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with kids who've been in prison and things like that before. So, you know, I, I hope, I, I do believe that when I meet people, I meet people, they're just people, you know, and it doesn't matter whether they're famous, it doesn't matter what their background's been or whatever, they're a person and I judge them on who I, who I see in front of me and, you know, and how they're living their life. And I think working with kids on the on the margins for whatever reasons, uh, yeah, it's given me that mindset that means that when I do battle rap, um, I would only do it if... I was treated as they were. It wouldn't be something uh, that, oh, it's, it's the old lady, we better do this differently or something. The first time I battled in Ireland, for example, right, I asked to battle one of their finest, see if I could take it. <laughs> and when I was asked about accommodation, I said, well, what are the other English battlers doing? They said, well, we've got them um, you know, a 12-bed hostel room in the city centre. I said, no, that's, that's fine. I love that. I don't want a separate room. I'm just, I'm in one of them. And then, of course, the ones who didn't know me, I could see in the chat, um, they went, oh my God, we're going to be sharing with the granny. Oh my God, well, she'll be making us Ovaltine and reading us bedtime stories. And then they're saying, one said, we'll have to drop her a few E's and we'll, you know, we'll film her while she's doing it. And it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just but it, I think I've got the respect of people because I don't expect anything. You know, if I'm there, I'm, I'm there, genuinely there. And I try and do that with everything I do. I'm not, if I write a poem, it's genuine. I've not made it up. Yeah. In fact, during lockdown, I got 
I was very lucky to get some work. Um, I've done some adverts for Nationwide, their poetry adverts. People love them or hate them. I don't care whether they do. Yeah. But I just moved back to my mum's and I heard heard this cuckoo in the back garden that we hadn't heard for decades and I didn't think it was there. So I wrote a poem about it. Whether you think it's a good poem or not. But it genuinely happened. But everyone said, that never happened. And that sound in the background to chiff chaff. And, and it's like, I'm sorry. Never got me for anything, but I am genuine. Whatever you say, with you, you know, and I think that's that goes a long way when you are trying to do something that's out of your comfort zone. Is not to try and be like everybody else, but be yourself doing something out of your comfort zone. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, and then not kind of expect to to be handheld through it. If you're going to kind of take part in this thing, you want to take part properly because if you know that you're being sort of molly coddled or they're treating you with kid gloves you're not going to feel that satisfied about it. No, and every time I go to an event, the one I did in Leeds on Don't Flop, a lot, most of the people in that room didn't know I was a battler. When I get up on stage, suddenly, they're all, what's going on? What's going on? And they're like really shocked because they thought that somebody brought their granny with them or something like that. So... So tell me a little bit about that then. So you, um, you you kind of do one battle rap against your friends. It's kind of in this sort of environment where you feel like, you know, perhaps the kid gloves were on, you know, you've not kind of dipped yeah. your toe in, in the water. Or you have yeah. dipped your toe in the water, but you kind of want to dive it's in there head first. You walk into that room, it's full of these like youngsters, it's an unfamiliar environment. Like how how does that feel? Like how do they react to you? What are you thinking? To be honest, well, remember, I sent in the camera crew first. I, I didn't want the camera to stay. I said, you can film the, 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 the event, but I don't want you to, you know, I want to be there. Mm. And, yeah, I was kind of in a rash. I was, you know, oh, I was shaking and, and everything. Uh, and I remember what one of the uh, the directors saying to me, you know, do you think you'll back out? And I, I just looked horrified. I said, whatever happens, I'm not going to back out. I've come this far, you know, even if it's a disaster, I'm going to try it. And, yeah. I didn't know. I thought me, Bertie's blunt head on this uh, league league that I got on is called King of the Ronalds, and it's almost like an alternative punk. It's it's like a crazy league, and I found out later that the main owner did not want me to battle because he kept saying, it, "We're not a comedy league. We're not. A, it's not a uh, novelty. Open, yeah, novelty. Mm. Yeah." And he'd been persuaded. This the other um, owner uh, was organising this card, so it was in Leicester. No, it wasn't. It was in Coventry. And um, I didn't know what to expect. So I thought it was going to be a little side thing, a little, yeah, a bit of an add-on. As a, uh, I didn't realise that most people there knew exactly what was happening and couldn't wait. So the minute my battle started, they all crowded in the room. They all came from outside. They all came in. Because um, they, they knew that Bunt's head was a character as well, a real character. Yeah. And to be fair, like the first person who spoke to me was, you know, this big guy, you know, beard and big rough voice and all the rest of it. And it turns out he's a, I can't remember, an accountant or an architect or whatever it was he was. And he was really friendly and really nice. But I was terrified of meeting Blunt Ted, right? Because in every battle I'd watched, he would be drunk as anything. He'd been absolutely drunk. So I'd written a lot of my bars about him being drunk. Right. So about 15 minutes before it's all starting, he he arrives, he comes over, he's sober because he's been he's been sober for the last three months because of something that had happened at his last battle and he got banned for. Right. 
right. we only let him back. If you if you look, it says we left him back, um, and I think he thought he, you know, he wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> in front of the old lady. Maybe he might behave better. And he was lovely. He was so lovely. And I thought, oh my god, I've just written all this horrible stuff about this guy, and he's really lovely. Did you go back and change it, or did you still use it? Oh yeah, yeah, I changed. Yeah, I changed quite a bit of it. It's. It's not the greatest at all, but it was entertaining. It was definitely entertaining. Yeah, I stayed sober because um, I didn't, didn't want to be <laughs> did everything. And then afterwards, everyone just came over and bought me drinks. I just had all these drinks in front of me. The people in the crowd they just, <laughs> you know, and just were saying some really lovely things. I mean, you mentioned that, uh, you know, that the owner of this league didn't, didn't want you in there. Did you find, did you encounter like any other resistance from some of the other rappers? Um, there are one or two think I've got higher than I should be because of my novelty. Right. And, you know, resent that. And that's, that's fair enough. You know, if I was, a, you know, an 18 year old lad from around here having a go, I probably wouldn't have had some of the doors open that have been. But when you've not got any current female battlers around, you know, I can't believe I'm representing. But what I've been doing, I've, if it hadn't been for the lockdown, I was putting on an event with a friend where we were getting new people battling for the first time but in a different way. More like having a barbecue on a rooftop and having more people any age of any background. A lot of the time we're setting up this thing where I would link people with a battler and they would do some background against something they wish they'd said in their life. So against, the, I don't know, the teacher or the rude person or their ex. So they get it all out in battle rap form. So, and of course all that's been put on hold because I think so many people have seen what I've done and thought, you know, yeah, I could have a go at that. Um, but others have just thought, I've always wanted to, whatever it was, um, I'm going to have a go at it. And a lot of people of doing these unusual bucket list type things, you know, before I'm 18, I'm going to learn 18 new skills or, you know, what that sort of thing as well. Realising that so many young people keep thinking they've got to do everything while they're young. And then suddenly realise they don't have to. They can they can actually carry on doing new things. Uh, uh, absolutely. After if you're 40, 50, 60, you can, you know, that the image you see on the TV is always, almost always of old people just being a burden and miserable. And Yeah, well, that's it. I think you know, everyone has this idea of, like, retirement being this sort of drive. You, know, you kind of reduce what you do. You almost narrow your scope. You know, you're no longer going to work. You're no longer going out and party. You know, taking on these new hobbies. It's you know, you do bingo, you do golf, you do a cruise every few years, and that's that's kind of the dream of what people aim for. I mean, I'm a big believer in trying new things. You know, I think we said before we started recording, I started doing stand-up comedy in my mid-thirties. You know, and you said you started doing comedy in your sixties. So I mean, I, I found it a bit interesting going into these open mic comedy nights where everyone all the new starters they're in the mid-20s most of them so you're kind of going into this world where you know you think should i be here but then after a while you realize as long as you get involved and and kind of go toe-to-toe or perform if you're funny with comedy if you can battle rap with battle rap if you can do it you can do it age doesn't necessarily matter and then sometimes as well you have got the experience you've you know you've seen things that they're seeing new and you've seen a thousand times because you, you lived a few decades ago also expectations well they don't know what to expect so you know if i say a phrase that's a bit of an old-fashioned phrase they're all laughing because they've not heard anybody say that before <laughs> and it's just what i say you know i'm not meant to be funny 
So, I mean, what I've, my stand-up comedy is about, most of it is about getting into battle rap. And what I actually did was that very first battle, it was a friendly one against a young lad. He had been telling me how, um, you know, like he's going to be he's going to be famous, he's going to drive a bikini, his music's going to be this, that and the other. So, yeah, when I battled him, I did my first round about that. And then I've adapted it and I've turned it into something that I perform at, uh, as part of the stand-up. Do I do a, a bit of it for you? Yeah, go on. Fire away. <laughs> I might not remember it because I've not been doing this for a while. But you have to imagine his face when I said this to him. Um, oh, by the way, I do sometimes perform this as the rapping nana panda in a talking panda head. Right. Just right. ignore that for the moment. Yes, that's how weird it gets. Um, for, for the listeners, just imagine a panda delivering these lines. <laughs> but when I battled, I wasn't wearing a panda head. I was me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, but stand-up comedy, the panda comes out. Okay. You're a jumped-up pup, wanna be one. The words and the moods of Muhammad Ali, but you sting like a butterfly flow, like a bee, and you can't touch me. I'm joy, and you're just a naughty little boy. You will smith the fresh prince of ballet, but the swagger of Jagger went out down there, and all the bullshit of Tony fucking Blair. Yeah, you made me swear, but I don't care, because you're being ripped by an old woman with white hair. And you say you're going to be famous, drive a bikini car. I say, no, you're more pot noodle, not blue caviar. And Megabus will always be your ride, and besides, I've already walked a hide nationwide. I'm a high-speed trainer of the late-night replacement bus, different steeners. I've got hooks, you make a bus over paper hooks. I'm Rich Roasty Coffee, your goal, and then it's me that's got the balls and you that's the bell end. So I'm tr- stronger than the Great Wall of China. Come on, take a swipe like you do on Tinder or Grinder. And if you still think you're hard, here's a reminder. I pushed a 10 child out of my vagina and I've just destroyed you by putting that image inside you. And his face, his mouth was just sort of his <laughs> wide up like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. If ever I was uh, stuck for which part of this podcast to clip and use as the trailer, I think we've just found it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, I mean, I spoke to him last week. You know, we had a phone call, you know, how, how he's doing, you know, straight afterwards, the battle the next day, we went out and just had something to eat to make sure, you know, I hadn't said anything or he hadn't said anything to me. Uh, you know, he had some, he, he, he had a few that got to me. It was like, there was one bit about, Oh, you know, you betrayed all those children. What are those children that you used to care for? You know, they're on their own. And I'm, like, I'm thinking, oh. Yeah. And he also, because um, he's a black guy, he did all these bars about my ancestors sitting on the veranda and, you know, sitting lemonade in, in the, uh, uh, well, you know, well, he's we're in the fields and, and things. And so you don't know what the whole point about it is as well. When somebody says something to you, if you can flip it back at them at the beginning of their next round, that's where you get a lot of food offs as well. If you can think on your feet to be able to really use something that you've only just heard. Yeah, I mean, that, that's something um, that works in stand-up comedy as well, like, especially if somebody heckles and you react to that really quickly and kind of think of something on the fly. That'll almost get a bigger reaction from an audience than any pre-planned jokes. It kind of shows that you're thinking on your feet, you're, you're reacting. Yeah. Well, I mean... That little bit you you kind of uh, ran through there and uh, the stuff I've seen, you know, it does get pretty aggressive, does get pretty personal at times. You know, do, okay. does it get tense afterwards or are there feuds or is it kind of everyone just shakes hands afterwards and, and goes about the day? The majority shake hands, definitely. There have been times when it hasn't and it's not serious. You got involved but... in any serious like East Coast, West Coast style feuds? <laughs> No, but there's, there's, there's usually, what I've ended up with at a few events in the role is if there's um, either a battler or uh, somebody in the crowd has maybe had too much to drink or taken too many things they shouldn't have taken and are getting aggressive and they're getting, you know, whatever, and you've got all the security staff moving in and everything, tends to help. 
when I go over. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, and I said, well, let's, let's go and have a set outside for a bit, you know, whatever. And it just calms the situation a little bit, usually. Yeah. Do you think, do you draw on your teaching skills there? Teaching skills and just the fact that there's a short, fat, old, grey-haired lady in front of them who, you know, they've got some respect for. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very unusual, interesting niche market and events. But when I'm saying that, when I say niche, it is huge around the world. There's, you know, in Russia and South Africa and Australia and, you know, some of these couples um, get paid a lot of money to travel and battle and get massive crowds. And... Well, here's the thing, to do this kind of as a hobby, it doesn't cost anything. You can get two people in a pub car park and they can battle rap. Yeah. And then, you know, it doesn't, you yeah. don't need any equipment. You don't need any sort of specialist gear. You just need a mouth and a mind to, to kind of do it. And I think that's what's Hopefully good. Hopefully, an audience, because yeah, it, it is good to just doing it against somebody, you know, especially if you're freestyling and stuff. But having an audience around you and appreciating it really helps. It's, you know, because they can talk about it after and there's all the debate to one this and why they, why they did the winter one, not the, the other. And, so, so how, how does it actually work then? So it's a league that you enter, presumably it's competitive, you know, is it scored? How do you win points in the oh, league? Different leagues have different arrangements. There's one in Manchester that's more like a set up, almost like a football league, um, you know, with different teams and things. Others are, are judged on the day, some are judged afterwards, some are not judged at all, just left for people to argue about who won. Uh, Sometimes it's three rounds, it could be one round, two rounds, different lengths, two on two, where there's two of you against two other people. I was meant to battle in, during COVID uh, lockdown, um, somebody non-binary who um, we were going to do it quite differently because obviously all my obvious angles to do with my weight and things like that and all their obvious, every battle that they had, it was always people saying, well, today I identify as an aubergine or, you know, just nonsense stuff. So we were, we were going to try and do it really well in terms of getting points over about how ridiculous it is to focus on certain aspects yeah. of people in such a way. But obviously it, it might happen. It might happen. That's, it's an interesting kind of way to look at how you kind of compete because a lot of what you'll bring up in, in the video I watched of you battling, you know, a lot of the stuff get, gets brought up about like weight, about gender, about things that are taboo, you know, quite rightly, you know, you can't just walk down the road and shout something at somebody, but it's almost like in this environment, you walk in the door and you let all those kind of PC restrictions go. Is there anything that's off limits when you're battle rapping? I mean, there are, and it depends in different cultures and different places and things. Um, generally, you know, if you're a white battler and you throw in the N-word around no. battling against, uh, you know, you, you can do it you'll get the backlash you'll get you you know you'll you'll know even using personal details about somebody's kids or you know sometimes you know if their mum's just died or something like that it, it can be done and it can be done okay but it can also be done wrong it could be done in the in the wrong way but the whole scene is changing and i i have this debate with myself the whole time about free speech versus hate speech and you know what i can see what an amazing cathartic outlet this is being able to say anything in away from the battle if you are racist or whatever you, you'd be torn to shreds 
like a self self policing the audience is there they'll either react well if it's good or they will react badly if it's bad so that person will learn this doesn't work well, it's not just the audience because it's all because there's so much in the forums online you know it'll go around the world you have the whole world saying you know what an idiot you are or something but I, up until recently i mean it's changing even the, over the last few months quite a few of the battlers have told me that they're gay and not to tell anybody, which is a real privilege when somebody shares that sort of thing with yeah. you, and of course I would never say. But over the last few months, quite a few have come out as being bi or pan or whatever. And to be honest, the, re the reaction has been amazing. We've just got loads of support. Oh, and we've got loads of Mickey, you know, taking up the, the, the guy who had said he was pan has had every pan joke thrown at him. But, you know, it, in a completely supportive way. It kind of defies expectations. You look at a picture of your tip, you know, the, in the video that I saw, you show somebody a picture of that crowd of young lads and say, what are your preconceptions of these people? It's, it sounds like that's, you know, what most people would think is far removed from the truth. Yeah, it, it, it is in, like with myself, it, the reality is so different from the image. That's the same with battle rappers and the crowds and things like that as well. When, when I was in uh, that first main battle, when I was in Coventry, uh, gone into the pub with the documentary makers before and gathered ourselves together. And I sent them in on their own and uh, so I could just go through me in my head. And I went to the bar and these couple of lads offered, did I want a drink, you know, whatever it was. And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I've got something I've got to keep a clear head for. And they asked me what, so I told them. So they I, they let me go through my some of my bars with them at the bar, you know. And the next minute they said, well, we're meeting up with our friends later. We'll come in. We've never been to one of these before. So they bought tickets and went into this event. And I had my own little crowd of supporters nice. who'd never been to a battle rap event. Just like, and I think I've brought a lot of people in because of that. When I last battled in Ireland in uh, against Omar, there were a few people of my age came over to watch me have a little holiday over there and you know call themselves my, my groupies one lad brought his, his his dad's 60th so he bought him a weekend stick you know thing over there to come and see me so there's all these <laughs> people who never go i was the one in manchester my old ex um head teacher came past and she said oh joy what are you doing anyway i brought her and her sister in and they spent a bit of time watching some of the battle raptors <laughs> It, it's nice when different worlds collide. I think what you're doing is showing people that you know, they can do that, whether it's, you know, I don't think anyone listening to this or, or I don't think everyone listening to this is going to sign up for a battle rap league. But I, I do kind of hope that it shows that th there are things out there you can try that, you know, what's the worst that will happen? Like literally what's the yeah, worst that will happen that's... if you try? And it's, it's yeah. never as bad as you think. I used to... It could be, be an absolute disaster, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I used to be terrified of public speaking you know when I was at school if I had to stand up and give a presentation like as it was going around the class and coming to me or even like reading out a line in a book I would start to sweat my heart rate would start going up I would feel like dread and then I'd do it and you know it was fine I didn't die and I can't even remember I think it was like through work I had to give a presentation last minute somebody dropped out and it's like I've got to go to uh, King's College in London there was 200 students there and I had to go and talk about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and I had no time to prepare just kind of turned up went did it and afterwards I was like it's like something snapped in my brain I was like this is easy this is fine you know I wanted I actually wanted to do it more yeah but without it's the fact that you didn't have all that time to worry about it you just were thrown in 
and just had to pull on your own resources and you found out you had the resources. Yeah, you, you mentioned before we started recording that you were kind of pulled in to do a comedy night in Ireland. You know, somebody said, do you want to go and do it last minute? Like, t- tell that story, because I think that's the same sort of thing. Yeah, I was actually battling in Cork and my opponent pulled out. But somebody over there is, uh, knew I would started doing stand-up comedy, so got me booked into this club. I um, can't remember what it's called now. Anyway, it's the own, basically the only comedy club in Cork and it's been going for like 40 years and it isn't like open mic type things or anything they're all professional top professional (laughs) comedy people and I realized just you know not long before that I had got a full slot performing (laughs) and it was a late night it's like I was on at about 11 o'clock after 11 and it was a packed, packed room. So the audience are all and, drunk at this point. Yeah, they were, they were drunk and that, and it went down well. <laughs> and in fact, as I was leaving, I finished about half 12 and as I'm leaving, I heard my name shouted and they're calling as I'm crossing the street to go back to the place where I was staying. And they said, Joe, where are you going? You've got to come with us. We'll, we'll get you pizza. We'll get you a pint. We'll get you. So I ended up staying out with the locals till about <laughs> four o'clock in the morning. It's, you know, they just sort of adopted me. Yeah, when you put yourself out there, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't plan to battle rap all my life. There'll be other things I'm doing. Sure. I mean, did you want to talk, you mentioned you were doing 60 new things for 60 and you kind of threw out a few examples, like try yeah. something new, hold an owl. Um, what yeah. else was kind of in that list of 60? Oh, well, the initial ones, all sorts. Um, I've never, well, you see, you can play about with the figures. Right? So, for example, I've never been fishing. But I put a call out, anybody going fishing wants me to, you know, let them tag along. And my son's friend said that uh, he'd take me night fishing. So that's great. So I went fishing, I went night fishing. To be honest, he didn't catch anything. Hmm. But further down the lake, there was a guy who I hadn't spoken to, but um, the young lad had. And he knew it was my first time fishing. And he caught a, a great big carp. So he called us over. And I went over and I held this carp. And he took a photograph of me. So I have held the carp. I've been night fishing. There's two things. And then as we're packing up and he's driving off, he wound the window down and he said, um, yeah, I've um, sent off the photo to Carp World. You're going to be in next month's magazine. <laughs> so there's a photo of me in Carp World holding this carp with, you know, big head on all the rest of it. Uh, so that's three, really. Tremendous. You've made it into the world of Carp Monthly. And then somebody said to me, uh, carp, you know, that wasn't really good for the carp. He'd been thrown back and he was vegan. So... I went vegan for a couple of months, you know, just just to see. And, you know, it was just, yeah. so it's all those sorts of things. And even in um, lockdown, I've started, I've, I've never grown fruit and vegetables before, but I am. And that counts as another one, you know, I've... Yeah, never, never say never and, and try try something new. You never know, you might you might pick it up. There's yeah. a, you know, start a lockdown. Yeah. Seemed like everyone was yeah. starting to make sourdough but, bread. So that was the, the big thing. It's not a compulsion. I'm quite happy not to, you know, I'm not trying to write my novel or do you know feel like I've got to do things you know it's it if there are interesting things there yeah I, I like people I like finding out about people I like finding out about myself and if you only do the same things you're never going to find out anything new about yourself or your views or anything at all exactly we don't we don't hit a certain age like just you know the number changes on your passport or you know the, the on the calendar and suddenly that's it you're set in concrete and you're never going to develop like who does that well, there's some people seem to get stuck in concrete from the age of say 30 or whatever and they just they just do you know they just don't want to be any different and they just stay the same and that's fine and uh, yeah i'm not saying it's wrong it's easy to do it's so easy yeah. to do 
you know, I've had loads of things I might want to have done in life. You know, I wanted to go on a donkey down Niagara Falls or whatever. And there are certain things when you reach a certain age or, you you know, so you're probably not going to do them. You know, and you, that's fine. Accept that you're not going to become an astronaut or whatever it is you, you might have wanted to be when you were younger. I'm still holding out hope. I'm still holding out hope. I'm going to Mars. Keep hope, keep hope. But there are things that you've never thought of. And that's, that's the main thing. There's things that I've never thought of. But I don't know what they are yet. I'm waiting to find out. You know, who knows? Somebody's, um, t- I've been talking to somebody in New York who I would have met up with. And he's an artist and, and all sorts of things. He's put me in touch with somebody who does a clowning course online. And I thought, actually, why not? I might just do that. You know, so. it's almost like you because you, we got in touch through the you know, your, your kind of battle rapping granny kind of title Tag, but yeah. you, you almost don't want to be boxed in like that you know you want to try something else we might speak in a year from now and you're the the parkour pensioner <laughs> or it doesn't even have to be things that are defying age or gender or whatever something it's just something that's personally new that's a bonus if it does yeah just some things that are, are want to grow old, still interesting and interested and I mean I, I, I did a project last year with the university about um, growing old playfully yeah. and finding yeah. ways of living your life. So was this the this, this was the documentary because you mentioned the documentary crew a couple of times. Yeah, it's a short documentary that was part of the National Film Festival had uh, something uh, they wanted to short, commission a short film about something growing old differently counter narrative from the, or whatever so so yes um that was meant to be it was shown down in london which meant to have its main premiere during lockdown at the heaven bridge film festival and it was going to be so it's been re-edited and it's going to go around and do it. it's northern heart films is a little northern uh, company who are amazing and um yeah they they're doing yeah they're, they're wanting to take it around different film festivals what I'm going to try and do is if I can delay my New York visit till after all this, way after all this, is see if I can get some money to, to bring them out because I've got some connections to some uh, hip hop legends and things. So they could, and there's a LGBTQ league there and, um, you know, do a little documentary about me going to these places and doing things about age and, yeah, in New York. And that could be... A, uh, a little, but yeah. So I, I would love to see how the New York rap scene reacts <laughs> to, to Joy France coming over there to do battle. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's a few. I mean, I've, I've been invited over to Canada to, uh, and also to Massachusetts. So you never know. I might do a bit of travelling and you know give talks and run workshops on poetry and whatever and make it into like a little mini work tour or something. Would for be sure and i think i think the message there is is really strong um yeah i watched your ted talk and and uh that, that i recommend anyone watching this i'll put the link in the show notes so people can go and look at it but um i, I think what you're saying is you know it's it's easy for people to get like boxed in by their own expectations of themselves or, or even worse like other people's expectations of them which is you know way way worse and I think that message of, you know, just go out and try new things. And not everyone's pushing outside the comfort zone by doing what you've done, like go battle rapping. For some people, it might be, you know what, it's Friday night and I'm not going to order from the same takeaway that we always order from. I might go for this other takeaway or order something different off the menu. Or Try cooking the thing that you order or 
yeah, it can be yeah, anything. It can be then. small things, it can be big things, and it can be anything anything in between. Yeah, and I know a lot of people do crave routine, and that's fine as well, but you can have routine and then just do something a little bit different in between your routine. For sure, it's not about not, totally like yeah, flipping your lives like I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what would you say to anyone listening to this who is perhaps retired themselves or coming up on retirement age or anyone of any age who just feels like they're stuck in a bit of a rut? Like, what would you say to them to encourage them to get out there and not just accept sailing into the sunset? Yeah, I would say I would advise against just letting go and suddenly doing something crazy, but to take steps that just challenge yourself a little bit, take you in another direction, you know, just things that interest you. I've had so many people who've said, I've never ridden a horse, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, you know, I'm gonna ride, I'm gonna ride, or whatever it is. Why leave it till a bit later? If you can have a go now, have a go now, because there's gonna be loads of other things you can do later. It's it's about living your life for yourself and not worrying what people say. I mean, I got so many trolls on the uh, internet when I did the adverts who said some really horrendous things, but Walsh off a duck's back for me. That, that kind of thing where, where people, you know, especially like online trolls, it says far more about them yeah. than it does about you. I think somebody's hurting if, if they're going to take time out of the day to go online and spout just negativity. It says far more about them than it does about whoever they're talking about. Yeah, and, the, and in terms of advice, I think there's... I see so many young kids, teenagers, people in their 20s who struggle to be who they are about how they dress or how they act or what they, you know, anything. And I see some of them who can just find it, they find it young. You know, it took me, you know, well over half a century to get to this point. So, some ways I wish I'd have done it earlier. But if I hadn't, I wouldn't be enjoying it as much as I am now because it was it's so alien. And, and you wouldn't be bringing the experience that you've got now to it either. If you'd have started this in your 20s, yeah. it would have been a totally different yeah. experience for you. The other thing I do that I, I probably didn't say earlier is I don't plan this. I don't, you know, I fall into things. I People offer me things and I say yes. So I've never applied to perform at a music concert or anything, any or not concert, festivals. I've performed at loads of festivals because people have asked me, you know, even I've, I've performed at the Isle of Wight Festival, you know, and that, just because wow. I was asked and not, and if I hadn't been asked, I wouldn't have done it. You know, I'm not going to go chasing things. It's so, so yeah, it's, it's like just letting go and enjoying the ride and doing no harm on the way. Yeah, keep, keep one hand on the wheel and one hand out the window. Yeah, that's, you know, and just say, be genuine, you know realizing that your own version of genuine will change over the time you know you're not stuck to one version of being genuine yeah you never you don't hit 25 and that's who you are for the rest of your life yeah thank goodness yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. no so um this, this is couch kicker we want people to leave <laughs> the couch behind um but joy you're sat on the couch for 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 the night who are you with what are you watching um what snacks do you have with you are we doing fantasy here because this is lockdown and there's not much choice, is there? You know, it's not quite full lockdown, but they're very much anything you want. Um, no, I'm gonna. This this is my genuine, honest answer. But because right before this, I meet so many people and have so many adventures and do so many things uh, all the time. But 
to be honest, to sit on the couch by myself and just, you know, just not have to talk to people or anything. But, you know, it's real nice. It's real luxury. I'm not saying I'm the best company for anybody else, but for me, I'm pretty good company. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't watch, I don't watch television. I stopped watching television when I retired. I watched one or two things online, but that's one of the things I let go to be able to do the things I do. Frees up so much time. But yeah, it's yeah, it does, and so I'm very selective about what I'll what I'll watch. Nice. So in terms of what's next for you, obviously lockdowns kind of put uh, the the stopper on a few of your plans. It sounds like you do have exciting plans for after. I can still keep dreaming, like like the New York thing. I can dream about things and try and plan things. I've got a few things on. I'm working with some people about the images of um, older people, and I've done a video about Aqua Zumba, and they're going to edit that and put that out. I've got a zine coming out, um, bits and pieces, and I've all got a big exhibition on it. Athletes coming up soon about all the adventures I've had there, and but it's a fraction of what I was doing. But I did my first live performance set last week. At a, community garden nice. centre and that was refreshing so nice did you feel like you had to kick out the cobwebs or was it all still there? oh yeah oh yeah I was, I was convinced i was going to be useless but i just want i just hit the, the ground running and just did it and it was Brilliant. lovely so that's that's been nice but yeah i'm doing a few other things that i wouldn't have done but i had the time to do now because of all the force change changes sure. and uh, and yeah I, i'm trying to decide all this stuff that I've been talking to you about, I keep being told I should write it as an article or do a book or something. I, yeah, I, I'm not convinced yet, but I might do something that pulls it all together in some form at some point. I think it'd be an interesting read or interesting watch or whatever format you use. It would be, be kind of great to kind of see it all put together. But I'm just going to go with the flow like I have done. So, you know, if anybody's listening to this and thinks, oh, you know, that'd be good. I'd like to do that or I'd like to, you know, and they can get in touch and see if can make things happen. Do you have any social media that you want to kind of share and I'll put in the show notes if people did want to reach out? Yeah, if you, I'll, I'll t- yeah later later on I'll give you, I'll send them all Brilliant. over to you know, on most formats. Um, and if and, people um, want to sort of see more of your story, where can they uh, watch that? If you put the link to the TEDx talk, if you put Joy France Poetry, there's loads of different things that have gone over the years. Joy France Battle Rack will bring up some, some of my battles, are not all up there. But content warning, if you, you've got to be not easily offended and don't look while kids are around or you're in public or something, it's uh, definitely a bit of advisory there. Um, and yeah, just generally, or, you know, if people email me or something, I'll just send you some details over. Brilliant. That'd be quite interesting, to, you know, to find out more people like who are doing this, not battle rap, but have found their confidence, you know, from having none. And you know, how it changed their life. It'd be interesting for me to hear. Yeah, um, and that's what this is all about, is kind of leaving leaving the couch behind and, and trying something new, pushing yourself further, because it ultimately does do exactly that, build confidence and show you what you're, what you're capable of. I remember a few years back, I was putting together this trek up Machu Picchu. It was for a charity, and there was this lady in the group. She was in her, like, 60s, I think, and she was terrified. She would ring the office, like, every other day, She'd be like, you know, am I going to be fit enough? Is it going to be difficult? Is the altitude going to be bad? And after a while, we're like, come on, this is a bit much. But you could tell she was, you know, nervous, but serious. She got back and wrote us a letter. A letter, not an email, like a physical letter on paper, 
written by hand, just saying, I want to thank you so much. It was amazing. I've realized I can do so much more. Basically, she, a husband had passed away and the charity that she was out there for had helped him. So she wanted to raise money for them, but was terrified of this challenge. And then she said she got out there and did it and realized I'd spent the last three years not doing anything. Why? I can get out there and do more. She booked, she went to Everest base camp. She did like a ton of other things on the back of it from being somebody who just sat at home and, and twiddled her thumbs. She realized, hang on, this isn't something that other people do. This is something that I can do if I really want to. And that applies to anything. I think if you try it, if, if it goes well, if it doesn't go well, but just try it, you never know. Yeah. And I think if things don't go well, the main thing is not to beat yourself up. Yeah. That is life. Things don't go well. Okay. It didn't go well. How many people try something new for the first time and the, brilliant at it first time round like it's so rare unless you're harry potter like come on no one's gonna do something for the first time and, and be brilliant at it and and it is one step that you don't think is relevant like to back around you know i was pulling on yet yeah, my teaching my performance poetry getting up on stage you know having rhythm in you know it, they're all elements that are there you know understanding the crowd and things it's it you know i didn't just go and do battle rap it was that progression that you pull on everything you've done before. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if it kind of leverages the experience you've got and you kind of putting that into play even better, but it could be something completely new. Yeah. Well, fantastic. This has been, uh, I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, it's been phenomenal. I think I said at the start of this, I told my parents I was speaking to you and they were like, let us know when it's out so we can have a listen. So um, I'll get on to editing this and we'll we'll hopefully have it out for them and everyone else to listen to soon. Yeah, and if anybody does want to get into battle rap, seriously, there's lots of, you know, there are some low, it's going on all over the country, right. you know, even on a small scale because of the, the conditions. But yeah, either just to turn up so I can pass on information as to where it's all happening. Yeah, I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes and who knows, I might give it a go myself. We might face off uh, across the battle rap <laughs> arena one day soon. Oh, that would be fantastic, <laughs> wouldn't it? Imagine. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, uh, Joy, thank you so much. It has been a joy. No, Brilliant. Well, Joy France, thank you very much. Thank you. That was Joy France and that was a fun chat you can check out the show notes for a link to her tedx talk and i'll also drop in a link to some footage of joy battle rapping live be warned there are some swears on there um she was a great guest though and i think she proves that age is just a number it's a cliche but it is also true and she used a phrase when we were talking there which i loved it was be interesting and interested um, and I think, you know, yeah, that's true. You know, do enough that people want to hear more and learn from you, but be curious enough to want to learn some more yourself. You know, there's no magic number of age that you reach where that ever stops. And if a retired teacher like Joy can step into the world of battle rap and not just survive, but thrive, then I think we all need a pretty good excuse not to go out and do more. If you are enjoying the podcast then why not hit that subscribe button on spotify apple podcasts or whichever platform you're listening to drop us a review if you feel so inclined if you're not enjoying it then fair play for still listening up until now well done you you can find us on social media at couch kicker pod on twitter facebook and instagram uh, we'll be posting uh, some little snippets and behind the scenes bits and links to our guests and more 
If you know somebody who would benefit from getting their behinds up off the couch, then please do share this podcast with them. It all helps. One final word of thanks to our sponsors, Action Challenge. Pushing yourself further comes in many forms, and they offer a range of challenges that will do just that, push you further. They've recently launched their 2021 UK Ultra Challenge Series, meaning that you don't have to go far to take on a new challenge. You can walk, jog or run 25 kilometers, 50 kilometers or a full 100 kilometers across their specially designed trails through places like the Lake District, the Yorkshire Moors or the South Downs and more. They've got over 400 charities that you can support if you feel so inclined or you can just do it for yourself. And you can sign up from just five quid. So don't dilly-dally about, the early bird offer is ending soon, so head on over to ultrachallenge.com to find out more. That's it from me, I'll catch you later.